Hi, listeners. You can now listen to this community podcast production ad-free on Apple Podcasts and access the podcast one week early and get exclusive bonus content. Just hit the subscribe button now on Apple Podcasts. Or if you want access to all of the above, plus video versions of the podcast, head to patreon.com forward slash stop the killing. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. I'm Sarah Ferris, true crime podcaster. And I'm Catherine Schweit, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. And you're listening to Stop the Killing. Hello, Stop the Killing fans. This is Catherine Schweit coming to you uh, right after we had a terrible shooting in Prague came on the eve of the winter solstice where I live in the East Coast of the United States and the summer solstice where Sarah is home in New Zealand today. Terrible shooting in Prague at the university there and 14 killed, a shooter dead, uh, a couple dozen injured. And a community that's really trying to struggle and figure out what to do now uh, given uh, what's happened. So I just wanted to share a little bit of update as far as the facts. I'm just off the uh, phone actually with television uh, in Prague where they're doing a news reporting today and it will be their second day. And I think what I'm hearing mostly from even the news interviewers who I'm speaking to is kind of the shock. And we heard even some students say, uh, oh, now uh, we're like the United States. And, you know, I was speaking with uh, an anchor this just a little bit ago saying, you know, that isn't the way. Don't don't think of it that way that now you're part of the United States. I mean, every country is different. Every country's laws are different. And the community feels differently about violence and guns and recovery. And so don't compare yourself to other countries is and other people is what I what I spoke to uh the people in Prague about today. Just think about your community and what your community needs. But what we do know so far is that we have a 24-year-old shooter who had legally purchased guns. They have a lot of gun ownership, concealed carried is allowed in the Czech Republic, and they have a an, a comprehensive system in order to get a gun first. And this individual did have guns legally, but they are tying now him to a shooting a few days earlier, a death of a man and his child in woods in the region. And so I I think what we're going to find out is that the shooter practiced how to kill people first by killing this man and child first. And that's very sad. In addition to that, we know that the shooter killed his father uh, in, in the home uh, before he came to the university. And he came with a lot of ammunition. He came with some uh, a pretty good number of weapons. And what we saw in the reaction and the response at the university is a little bit of knowledge about what's going to come. Because even in the questions that I've been asked so far in my interviews, the questions have to do with, you know, what should people do? They don't really have a system in place uh, like we do to train individuals or to talk about what to do if there's a shooting uh, because their shootings are infrequent. Although they had a shooting in 2019 and they had a shooting in 2015 uh, where eight and six people were killed, uh, you know, respectively. So they're familiar with shootings in that country. They're just not very often. I would say this about their gun laws, that it'll be interesting to see how things play out. 
in that country after the 2015 killing, the shootings that I'm talking about, the 15 and 19 killings, those were in public places, just like uh, a university is. And so these frightening mass shootings that occur are still, you know, in public, whether they're here in the States or whether they're in your country where you are. So the changes that were made in the Czech Republic after the 2015 shooting did require people to have a license to get their concealed carry that in, included a uh, interview. And they had to take a test, uh, 300 uh, multi-question tests, 300 questions you could uh, choose from. They have to answer the random 30 they're assigned. They have to answer all but one correct in order to move forward. Two out of five individuals uh, fail that test and never move forward. If they move forward in their effort to uh, be able to uh, obtain a license, then they also have to show that they can take the gun apart and put the gun back together, that they know all the parts to the gun and they know how to render it safe. Um, and then in addition to that, they have to be very proficient at shooting. So the laws in the Czech Republic are very different to the United States, where in the United States you can walk into a store and buy a gun. And unless you're a prohibited person at that moment, you're going to be able to own that gun. And even if you commit a crime uh, later on, there's no provision necessarily in the United States to take those the, the gun or guns that you own away from you. So I think we're going to see different changes in Prague. Some of, the, of those I think will have to do with an evaluation of what kind of security should we put in? Should we start building in security? Should we start preparing people for something? I think they don't run drills there. So I think people were pretty surprised about what was going on. And one of the conversations that we had is, you know, drills are information and that's really important. You know, I feel for the people in that community because I know what they will be going through. Their first responders will be going through the trauma of responding and having to recover from that. And their community will have to recover from what is a clearly senseless loss of life and endless injuries. There may be more deaths, their worst shooting they've ever had in that country. And then how do they recover? How do they come back to some new normal? What do they move forward on? Do they, how do they harden their targets? How do they respond? I think one of the things that was very encouraging when I was interviewed by uh, one of their public television news anchors, he was frustrated that a newspaper ran on the front page the picture of the shooter and a picture of the shooter with the gun. And he disliked that. And I said, you should. That's great. So I was happy to see that the communications mode, the media is concerned about not publicizing the subject's name, not making the same innocent mistakes that we made after Columbine where we did a lot of news coverage on the subject. And uh, they said, you know, what should we do? What's most important? And I said, don't focus on the subject. You can't understand what he's doing and why he did it completely. You can't get vengeance or recovery from it. You can only take care of your community and your individuals. So that's what I encouraged him to do. So as you think about something in your community that you can do, I guess I would just uh, say that we all can do something, even if that's just inform ourselves. And if you have kids or a business do you have a plan in your school or do you have a plan at your place of business if something bad happens? Do you have a way to look for people who are under stress, especially during the holiday season and around the winter time in the darkness? Uh, do you have a way to reach out to people who might be uh, particularly depressed or upset? And, and how can you help them? Because a, a little phone call, a conversation 
it can be the difference between life and death. And we know that not just for suicides, but we know that even in mass shootings, we've had potential shooters say, I didn't shoot because this person talked to me. So be the one who talks to somebody and, and saves a life, even if you don't know if it happens. So on this sad day, as we continue, you know, 24 hours after, I just wanted to push that out there and, and let you know that they're learning how to recover. And, you know, we're, we're going to feel for that community for a long time, like we feel for our own who've experienced it. Be safe. Thanks for listening. And if you want to know more, Catherine's book, Stop the Killing, is out now. For more details, go to katherineschweit.com. Please consider also supporting our independently made podcast. It's simple to do. Go to patreon.com forward slash stop the killing. And for as little as the price of a latte a month, you can be part of the solution to stop the killing. Patreon rewards range from official do-gooder status to ad-free episodes, autographed books, and opportunities to connect with us directly for your business, school, church, or even just a book club chat. But just knowing that you are part of a movement that has the power to make your community safer, well, that's got to taste better than a skinny cappuccino any day. So please head to patreon.com forward slash stop the killing now and polish off your do-gooder halo and make sure to include your name so we can give you a shout out. This podcast is a community podcast production. That's con with an N. If you want more content, then head over to Community Podcast at Instagram, where you'll find trailers on more binge-worthy true crime, like the award-winning podcast Conning the Con. And check out our show notes for all the links mentioned. Finally, if you want one takeaway action that you can do right now that can help make our community safer, Please share, rate and review this podcast wherever you listen. Everybody needs to know that they hold the keys to see something and say something. Together, we can stop the killing. It's one of those things you hope never happens, but you better train for it. Because it will happen. And it will happen in places you wouldn't expect. Be ready for it. Hello, and welcome to Guilty Greenie. I feel like we should start off this show by saying it's nearly impossible to be 100% sustainable given the current world we live in. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Not a great analogy for a vegetarian, but you know. We're talking uh, about sustainability, maybe not the best analogy. Don't eat the elephant is the first rule of the Guilty Greenie. There's your first challenge of the week. Avoid (laughs) elephants. What they used to call frugal is now considered sustainable. It's such an aha moment. Frugal to sustainable. You can save money and help the planet. That's going to be our new tagline for sure. You can find Guilty Greenie on Apple Podcasts or whichever podcast platform you prefer. And join us in tackling the Guilty Greenie challenges. Until then, stay curiously green. Hey, podcast listeners, I'm Paul Brandis introducing my podcast, Countdown to Dallas. It's a fascinating, in-depth look at the seemingly unconnected events that led to the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. It's based on my book of the same title. In that book and in this podcast, I go all the way back to 1939 when Lee Harvey Oswald was born into a troubled and dysfunctional family. I'll follow his transient and often violent teenage years and young adulthood, painting a fuller picture of the man who would later become 
Kennedy's killer. I also take a look at events unfolding in that era like Cuba and Vietnam, and I'll unpack the conspiracy theories too, not one of which has ever been conclusively proven. Subscribe to Countdown to Dallas at evergreenpodcasts.com or your favorite listening app, October 31st.